Welcome to the Jesus Never Ran podcast, where we focus on taking time in this life to make a difference in this world. I'm your host, Matt Kinzera. Let's take a walk. Each day, we are reminded of the role our faith plays in our lives. But does it play a role in our finances as well? Now, for the members of Thrivent Financial, it does. For over a century, Thrivent has been helping Christians blend faith, finances, and generosity. Because it's not just about making more, it's about doing more for your family, your church, and community. Learn more about Thrivent's unique mission by calling Kathy Jensen, Thrivent Financial Representative, at 715-231-1662. Disclosures, licensed agent, producer of Thrivent Financial, marketing team for Thrivent Financial for Lutherans, registered representative of Thrivent Investment Management Incorporated, thrivent.com slash disclosures. It's been a while since we've looked at a story from Jesus, so that's exactly what we're going to do today. We're going to pick a story that a lot of you have probably heard before. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. Like so often is the case, when we read stories about Jesus or when we read stories that he said, some of the parables that he said, we really have to look beneath the surface to figure out what he is actually saying. If we don't do that, a lot of times we'll miss the heart of the story. Now, we're going to talk about the parable of the Good Samaritan today. You'll find that in Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. If you went to Sunday school or have spent any time in a church, you've likely heard this story. But if you're like me, you probably didn't really get to the heart of what is going on. So let's jump right in. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, what is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave him to the innkeeper, and said, Look after him, and when I return I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, The one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Before we jump in any further, I want to make sure that you get a picture of what's going on here. 
this road, it goes uphill from Jericho to Jerusalem. And people would travel that road in order to get to the temple. So if you were Jewish, you would want to go to the temple several different times throughout the year. And when you went to the temple, you were often bringing something to sacrifice or you were bringing some money to donate. Now, this road had a cliff on one side and a cliff on the other side. And it's not a road like we think of today. It was a very narrow road. On the cliffs, many robbers knew that people that were traveling this road had things on them because they were either going to Jerusalem and they were bringing something with them to sacrifice or they were bringing money with them to give to the temple or maybe they were up in Jerusalem at the temple and they purchased something and they were coming back home. Either way, there was a good chance that they would have some goods on them and to a robber, that was good news. So if you were caught alone, you might be in trouble if you were going down this path. So we've got a narrow road, we've got cliffs on both sides, and we've got people that are going up and down that have some things on them. So when people heard this story, when Jesus shared it, they would not have been surprised by what happened to this man. Now, in ancient storytelling, at least at this time, what was really common is that you would tell a story and when you told that story, you would tell a story of one person who failed. They couldn't get the job done. And then a second person would come along. They too would fail. They couldn't get the job done. And then a third person would come along. In the Jewish culture, that third person was always a Jewish person. And they would come along and they would be the hero. So when Jesus is telling this parable to the Jewish people and to everybody else that is listening, when they heard it, they were probably shaking their heads. And so when Jesus said, you know, the first guy comes along and he doesn't do anything, everybody assumed that was what was going to happen in the story. So the priest passes him by. And then when he says, oh, yeah, and then the Levite comes and he passes him by, everybody would have understood where Jesus is going. And they would have naturally assumed that the third character in the story is a hero who's also a Jewish person. Imagine their surprise and utter outrage <laughs> when Jesus flips it on its head and he chooses to tell them that the Samaritan is the hero. Now, Samaritans were generally hated by the Jewish people. You can see pictures of this all throughout the New Testament of the Bible. And so when Jesus decides to make a Samaritan a hero, it's just ludicrous. It's just crazy. And people would have been so pissed about this. Most of the times when I've heard this story and when I've heard somebody explain it to me, it went something like this. All right, if you see somebody who's in need, go out of your way and make sure that you help them out. I think we could take that from this story and I think that that would be helpful and that would be a good thing to do. And I think that's what Jesus would want us to do. And that's really beautiful and that's really thoughtful. But we have to go back and find the original question. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That's the first question. Now, Jesus answers his question with a question, and he says, well, how do you read it? Now, an expert in the law was just a Jewish person who really knew the Old Testament 
Jewish law really well. And so he answers in what Jesus would hope he would answer, I would think. He answers with the great commandment. He takes two verses from the Old Testament, just like Jesus did. And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Absolutely. And so Jesus says, you answered correctly. Do this and you'll live. Jesus knew he was trying to get to more than this because this guy was trying to trap Jesus. And notice it says in verse 29, he wanted to justify himself. So at this point, it's all about him. The teacher of the law is making this story all about him. But here is the question that Jesus answers with the parable. The Jewish teacher of the law asks, and who is my neighbor? It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? It's a neighborly day in this beauty wood, a neighborly day. So when we read the story of the Good Samaritan, we are reading a story that is answering the question, who is my neighbor? It's not asking the question, how should I help? Or who should I reach out to? It's a broad question of saying, if that is the law, If to love my neighbor as myself is the law, then I want to know who my neighbor is. Now, this guy's just trying to make it all about himself, but Jesus is going to make a story about this and he's going to make an absolute point that's going to stick with all of us. And so when he gets through the story, he says, okay, the first person that comes by is a priest. Now, for a priest, and I want you to really get this because we so often will villainize the priest and the Levite in this story. Well, the priest made his livelihood at the temple. And if he was unclean because he touched some blood, touched a person that wasn't Jewish, touched a dead body, anything like that, he would not be able to work for some time. And so he had a bit of a challenge of morality when he came into the story and saw the Samaritan. Number one, it's a Samaritan. Number two, if he touches him, then he's going to be unclean and he can't work. But I don't want you to think in modern terms. He didn't go to the other sidewalk on the other side of Main Street. He would have practically had to step over the Samaritan guy because this road just wasn't that big. So there's no way he didn't see him and he would have had to purposely kind of step around him to get around the bleeding Samaritan guy on the side of the road. The next guy that comes along, again, it's a Levite. A Levite is a, is a part of a group of people that work in the temple and they help out in the temple. And although not all Levites made their living at the temple, definitely they had roles in the temple and they had things that they were supposed to do with the temple and with their Jewish leadership and religious law at the time. And so kind of the same story. If he would have dealt with the Samaritan man, number one, what would the other Jewish people think of him? But number two, could he actually do the duties that he was supposed to do in the temple? Same story, would have had to practically walk over the Jewish man. And then, of course, the Samaritan comes. He goes out of his way. And I love that in this story, Jesus makes it a point to take it like to the nth degree. So he helps him, he bandages his wounds, and then he picks him up and he puts him on his donkey and then he takes him to an inn. And if that's not enough, he comes back to the inn and says, I'll pay you for whatever you need me to reimburse you for. So he goes way beyond what anybody um, really needed to do in this situation. So Jesus is obviously making a point. But then we get to the Samaritan. He's absolutely the hero of the story. Everybody hearing the story is thinking, what the heck is Jesus doing? But then we have to remember, (laughs) to remember the original question. 
Staying healthy is unbelievably important when you're trying to make a difference in this world. But it is hard to stay motivated by yourself. And let's be honest, who likes driving to the gym to work out around a bunch of strangers? This is where TDH Virtual comes in. Yoga and dance classes right from your house with the support of a virtual community. Truly the best of both worlds. Good news, if you wanna jump on board right now for your free trial, you will lock in your early bird rates. So don't wait, go to www.thedancinghouse.com and get started today. I love the question Jesus asks right at the end. He says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? Notice he brings back the original question. Which one of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man? And then the expert in the law, what he says is he says, the one who had mercy on him. Saying the word Samaritan was like saying a swear word in Jewish culture at the time. So he won't even say the word Samaritan. He says, the one who had mercy on him. And then Jesus tells him, go and do likewise. So again, the question, who's my neighbor? The answer, your enemy. Now at this point, it's really easy to make the Jewish leader, the expert in the law, the villain. But I guess before we go that far, we should probably ask ourselves how we're doing with this. And I don't want to share a story about Jesus if we're not applying it to our lives. It's so easy in this world to surround ourselves with people that are like us. Even within our passions, within our dreams, when we're going after something good, the easiest thing to do is surround us with people who are like us. Surround ourselves with people who think like us, people who act like us, people who come from the same background as us, people who make about the same amount of money as us. All of those kinds of things are very huge temptations that we all deal with. But we have to ask ourselves the question, who's my neighbor? And by who is my neighbor, I mean, according to what Jesus is saying, who is the person that I would actually look at as an enemy that I know that if I'm going to walk and live like Jesus, I actually have to have them around me. I have to love them and I have to go out of my way to care for them. I mean, we just got past the anniversary of 9-11. And any of us who were alive at that time remember exactly where we were. And immediately after that time, we wanted to villainize everybody who was Muslim because there was radical Islamists that did this. And so naturally we're nervous or we're scared of anybody who practices that same faith. Now that's crazy. Because if you think about our own faith, our faith of Christianity and trace back its lineage, you don't have to go too far to see people doing really horrible things in the name of Jesus. But that doesn't make us horrible people. And that doesn't make what we stand for something horrible. So that's one group of people that comes off of the top of my mind just because we just got past September 11th. But there's so many other people. And I'm not going to say who it is for you. It could be a lot of different people. But I know that if we're truly going to live a life like Jesus wants us to live, we have to actually surround ourselves with people that are different than us. And if we truly want to love with the heart of Jesus, we need to get our enemies close to us, not to protect ourselves, but so we can learn how to love them. Speaking of September 11th, shortly after that, and this just happened to us. It wasn't something that we tried to do. 
we were in a park and kids are amazing. Our kids were really young at that time. And so we were in a park in Minnesota and our kids saw some other kids playing soccer. These kids happened to be Muslim and they just went over because my kids don't care if they're Muslim, Jewish, Buddhist, or anything else. They don't have a clue. They just see two kids who are playing with a soccer ball and they want to be friends with them. So we go over and start talking to the parents and we actually had a, just a great time. It was absolutely wonderful. And there was so much tension between Christians and between Muslims at this point in history that Susie and I felt really prompted to just ask them over for dinner. And we had a wonderful time getting to know more about their culture, more about their religion, and more about them as human beings. And ever since that moment, it really erased any thought that I've ever had in my mind towards somebody who's a Muslim person. It erased any thought that I should lock my car door when I see somebody with uh, that looks like they're Muslim or that I should stay out of that neighborhood because I know there's a lot of people who are Muslim in that neighborhood. I mean, that is not something that I want to stand for. That's not who I want to be. And so being around people of that religion, of that faith, allowed me to see them as people and not just as people who adhere to a certain religion who maybe uh, hurt my country. We can take this in a lot of other realms as well. There's a lot of hatred towards people who are gay in our culture. There's, there's really horrible things that have happened towards women in our culture, towards people who are minorities, towards African-Americans, towards Mexican people. All sorts of different ways that we can spin this. And a lot of it has to do with how we were brought up. A lot of it has to do with our current reality. But my big challenge for you based on this parable, whatever you're doing with your life, how can you get your enemies involved with that? And enemies is in air quotes. I know you can't see it over a podcast. Enemies is in air quotes. How do you get people who are unlike you involved with whatever you're doing right now? So I have to think for that with Jesus Never Ran. How am I getting other voices involved with this that aren't voices that would be the normal voices that I would ask? And so what is it for you? How are you doing that exact same thing? If we really want to live out the life that Jesus is challenging us to do, we have to actually do what he's saying to do. The easy thing to do is just to go on living our lives. That is so much easier. It's so many times easier to step over the Samaritan than it is to help him out. But if we want to live a life that Jesus is calling us to, we have to figure out how to get our air quote enemies into our lives so that we can make a difference. When I was a prison chaplain, it was such a cool experience because I was the minority there. And that's a whole nother big question because we have an issue with incarceration in our country as well. But when I was in the prison chapel, I was the minority and we only would have one service at a time. So one weekend we'd have a Lutheran service, another weekend we'd have an evangelical service, another weekend we'd have a Pentecostal service. But because it was the one service that was offered that day and on that weekend, everybody came. If we had the Pentecostal preacher there, all the Lutheran guys came. If we had the Lutheran pastor there, all the Pentecostal guys came. We all came to every church service because it was what was offered. We all came to all the Bible studies. And it was such an amazing mixed bag. It was mixed because there were so many diverse races involved. We had a lot of Latinos, we had Native Americans, we had Caucasian guys, we had African American guys in there. And it was also diverse based on what we believed and how we lived out our faith. 
So we had people that really loved liturgical worship. We had people who loved gospel. We had people who loved contemporary Christian. And all of us, James, just came together. And it was the most beautiful thing because when you looked around that room, nobody cared what the title on the service was. We just all cared that we were together. And I wish our normal world sometimes could look more like that prison did. I wish our normal world would look more diverse, would be a place where there would be more people inviting people that aren't like them. So that's my challenge for you, just getting off of 9-11, getting off of that tragedy, and not only the tragedy that happened that day, but the tragedy that happened after that day, when there was so much hurt that happened based on people's religion, based on people's race. Now that we're here, why don't we ask ourselves who we need to reach out to? Ask ourselves who we need to invite into our circle. Who do you need to invite over to dinner so that you can live out the story of the Good Samaritan? As always, when you're going after your dreams, make sure you take a break and enjoy life. My favorite way to do that is on my front porch with my wife, my friends, and my favorite Infinity Beverage. You can go to www.infinitybeverages.com and order online and they will deliver directly to your door. That's Infinity Beverages, proud sponsor of Jesus Never Ran and Dreamers Everywhere. It's a neighborly day in this And of course, if you need a little help getting from where you are to where you're going, go to www.jesusneverran.com and join The Walking Club. The Walking Club is a monthly video series that will take wherever you are and help you to get wherever you want to be. So let's make the most of this beautiful day. We'll see you next week. Since we're together, might as well say, would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Won't you please? Won't you please? Please won't you be my neighbor?